Welcome to the Faith to Change Your World broadcast with Brother Chidi Revelation chapter 5 from verse 1 in the TLB version. And I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne, a scroll with writing on the inside and on the back, and sealed with seven seals. A mighty angel with a loud voice was shouting out this question, Who is worthy to break the seals on the scroll and to unroll it? And no one in all heaven or earth or among the children or among the dead was permitted to open and read it. Then I wept with disappointment because no one anywhere was worthy. No one could tell us what the book said. And one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop crying, for look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered and proved himself worthy to open the scroll and to break its seven seals. And I looked and I saw a lamb standing there before the 24 elders in front of the throne and the living beings and on the lamb were wounds that were once that once caused that once had caused his death he had seven horns and seven eyes which represent the seven fold spirit of god sent out into every part of the world he stepped forward and looked and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting upon the throne and as he took the scroll the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each with a harp and golden vows filled with incense the prayer of god's people they were singing him a new song with these words you are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it for you were once for you were slain and your blood has bought people from every nation as gifts for God and you have gathered them into a kingdom and made them priests of our God and they shall reign upon the earth so then then I heard the singing of millions of angels surrounding the throne and the living beings and the elders the lamb is worthy loudly they sang it the lamb who was slain he is worthy to receive the power and the riches and the wisdom and the strength and the honor and the glory and the blessing then i heard everyone in heaven and earth and from the dead beneath the earth and in the sea exclaiming the blessing and the honor and the glory and the power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and the four living beings kept saying, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him. I take verse 12 again. It says, The lamb is worthy. Loudly they sang. The lamb is worthy. Loudly they sang. The lamb who was slain, he is worthy to receive power and the riches and the wisdom and the strength and the honor and the glory and the blessing. And this, I have told you, are the inheritance of the believer. Power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and the blessing. So if you have given your life to Jesus, then you must trace your roots. If you have given your life to Jesus, then you must trace your roots to the foundation that we were slain with Jesus and we were buried with him and we rose with him. Water baptism in this regard signifies our burial and resurrection with Jesus. So we rose to walk with him in the newness of life. And this is what the Bible portrays clearly in Romans chapter 6. I read from verse 3. It says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that, as, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. So, in that Jesus died, we died in him. In that he resurrected, we were raised up with him and we received everything that he received. We were now translated into this newness of life that the Bible spoke about 
in verse 4 of Romans 6. And in this new life, we have become heirs. Heirs of the Father and joint heirs with Jesus. And we have been adopted, like I said, we have been adopted by God and we are children of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus. And Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 8 rather, please turn with me to Romans chapter 8. And very important, I'll read from verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. And I told you we have been adopted by the Father. So we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we can now cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we be children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So if we be children of God, then we are heirs. We are heirs of God and we are joint heirs with Christ. So we walk in the same class as Jesus walked when he was on earth. And the, 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 the things he received, he received on our behalf. We were in him when he died and we resurrected with him on the third day. Titus 3.7 The Bible says that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Therefore, we are co-heads with Jesus. And this is how powerful we are in Christ. If you don't know, you cannot walk in the reality of what God has done for you. The devil limits believers by keeping them ignorant about who you are. And that's the way the devil operates. He keeps he, the, the people of God ignorant. They don't know who they are in God. They don't know what they have access to. They don't know what Jesus has really done for them. And that's the only way the devil can deceive you. And that's the only way the devil can defeat you. When you hear somebody say he woke up, there were stretch marks on his body, the devil is oppressing you in the night, the devil is doing this, attacking your business, attacking this, attacking that. It is only because you have not realized in reality Having that revelation of who you are in God. And so the devil will do everything that he can do to limit you by keeping you ignorant about what you have access to. See, forget that junk. You are not just human. Some people say, ah, we are just human, but we are only humans. You are not only humans. We are sons of God. We are God, according to Psalm chapter 82, we are gods. It says that I've not told you that ye are gods. And then we are joint heads with Jesus. We receive everything that he received in Revelation 5.12. Power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and the blessing. And so today I'll be speaking specifically on honor and glory as the inheritance of the believer. Honor and glory are my inheritance. Say it after me. Say, Honor, honor and, glory and glory are my inheritance, my inheritance. in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. So, as children of God, we are joint heads and co inheritors of everything that Jesus received. We received glory, we received honor that Jesus received. How do we know that Jesus received glory and honor? The Bible tells us this. In the book of Second Peter, chapter one, turn with me to Second Peter, chapter one. I read verse seventeen. This was Peter explaining, and he said, "For we have, in verse sixteen, he says, for we have not followed cunningly, uh, we have not followed cunningly devised fables, which we made known unto you, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ." But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We received from God honor and glory because Jesus received from God as we see in 1 Peter 1 verse 7 
we have, we have received the same thing that Jesus received, the honor and glory. So we are supposed to be honored everywhere you go to. See, a believer is not supposed to lack honor. If you go to a place and you, 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 you want to get something done, or you need to do something, or you are, you are stranded, it is in your place and your right as a believer to receive help when you need it. It is in your place and in your right as a believer to stand strong and demand for something and get it because you are made according to the image of God and you are made to become heirs of God. And in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2, the Bible tells us that Jesus, the Amplified Version expressly states that Jesus is the lawful owner of everything. And if he's the lawful owner of everything, it means that we also are lawful owners of everything. So if I need help, I have a right to it. I have a right to it. And that's how powerful your faith can be. So we are supposed to be honored everywhere we find ourselves. And this honor comes because you radiate the glory of God. You radiate the glory of God. And that's how honor we come. What is the difference between a child of God and somebody who is not a Christian? The glory. The glory of God that we carry is supposed to be the, the difference maker. So many people will come, many people will come for interviews, many people will come, many people will sell in a place, many people will do this uh, and together and everything. But what signifies you or what marks you out is the glory of the Father that you carry. And because of that glory that you carry, you become honored even above your peers. You find yourself anywhere. People tend to honor you, honor you way more than they honor others. Because you have realized that honor is your inheritance. You have realized that you carry the glory of God and the glory that you carry marks you specifically for honor. Psalm chapter 8. Psalm 8. I read from verse 4. It says... So you understand the kind of glory you carry and the kind of honor that you are expected to exude everywhere you find yourself. In verse 8, the Bible says, What is man? Let me read from verse 1 so you understand. Oh Lord our God, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of their enemies, and that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens and the work of thy hands, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, and I say to myself, What is man, that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man, that thou visitest him? Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and the angels there is in the class of God. And thou hast crowned him with what? Glory and honor. That thou made us, you made him have dominion over everything and you put everything under his feet. But you have crowned man with what? Glory and honor. And I told you that it is the glory that God has given to you that is now on your life that makes men honor you. Everywhere you find yourself, you are supposed to be honored. Honor is supposed to be your inheritance in God. So God has crowned you with honor and glory and he created you to radiate this eminence of his glory and to be honored by all men. So don't let anyone treat you less because you know that your glory is great in God's salvation. Psalm 21 verse 5, the Bible says that his glory is great in my salvation. Honor and majesty has he laid upon me. So your glory is great, way, way great in God's salvation. And he has laid upon you honor and what? Glory. So, because you carry the glory of Christ, men and women and systems will honor you. See, I realized at some point in my life that everything must work to favor me. Everything must work to honor me. So, if there's going to be, in, whether in my workplace, whether in the compound where I live, whether in, in the place where I park my car, whether anywhere at all, in anything that I do, if there's going to be a policy, it must be in my favor. It must be a policy that honors me. And if it is not in a, a policy that honors me or, or a decision that will honor me, it will just fade off. 
So naturally, because you carry the glory of God, men are going to honor you. Women are going to honor you. And systems, when I mean systems, I mean institutions, laws, policies, hierarchies, bureaucracies are supposed to honor you. If you carry honor, you carry honor. And if until you realize what you carry, it cannot work for you. So men are supposed to honor you. Women are supposed to honor you. People are supposed to honor you. Institutions are supposed to honor you. And that's how powerful you can be. How powerful you can be. God will put you in a place where you don't have to talk to a man. Because he has created you in his image. And the Bible says that there is no respect of persons with God. In every nation, if you fear God and walk righteousness, you are accepted with him and he will honor you greatly. So because you carry the glory of Christ, of Christ you shall be honored everywhere you find yourself. In John 17, 22, what did Jesus say when he was praying? He said, Father, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them so that they can be as one, even as we are, as, are, are one. Who was he talking about? He was talking about his disciples, and we are disciples of Jesus. And he was talking to his father, and he said, Father, the glory, the very glory that you have given to me, I have given to these ones. So it means that the, the very essence of the kind of glory that Jesus carried, as Jesus and as the risen Christ, we carry that glory. So there is no reason why things should work against you. There is no reason why things should dishonor you. The glory that Jesus carried, we received. And this glory in our life is what distinguishes us from the rest of the world. And I said that you must know that there should be a difference between you and anybody who does not have Christ in his or her life. Oh, there's a new generation of believers that are coming up that are supposed to live as sons of God. The Bible says in Romans 8 that the entire creation are waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. That the creation, everything that God created, are still crying. They are still crying like, who, when will these people understand what they have? When will they understand who they are? When will they understand what they have access to and what they can command? We are waiting for them to realize and walk according to what they are supposed to walk. And the Bible says that we, the sons, the creation are waiting for us to manifest as sons of God. Why? Because it is until when we manifest that we cannot take dominion and put things right in society. David was a man who understood honor. David. He was a very... I like David. I like the story of David. And David is one man that inspired me so much or inspires me so much every time I read the Bible. Even though he lived in the Old Testament, he understood what God will do in the future. And that's because he was a man of faith. And against all the odds, all the problems he went through, he stood strong in faith. He lived with supernatural disposition. He understood what he had access to. And he would not let anybody treat him less, no matter who you are. That was his case with Nabal. Turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 25. First Samuel chapter 25. The Bible says, And Samuel died. I read from verse 1. And all Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in the house of Ramah, in, in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there, there was a man in Moan whose possessions were in Camel. And the man was, a, was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was sharing his sheep in Camel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and, he, and the name of his wife was Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. And this man contradicts who Caleb was. Caleb and Joshua were the only two people, only two people that went to spy in, on the land of Jericho initially. 
And when they came, not, not, not the land of Jericho, that went to spy on the, on the promised land initially. And when they came back to report to Moses, what did, what did Caleb and Joshua say? That we are able to possess that land. But the remaining 12, out of 12, the remaining 10 said no. The people are too big for us. But Caleb and Joshua understood that we are who God says we are. And if God says we are bigger than these people, we are bigger than them. Let's not look at the physical size. But the people were like, ah, no, did you see they are giants? Did you see their fruits? It's as big as our head. Ah, these people will kill us and everything. And of all 12 of them, none of them saw the promised land. Only Caleb and Joshua. Why? Because they were men of faith. And they were men who understood what God was going to do. So they were only the two people in their dispensation that saw the promised land. Because they believed what God was going to do even before God did it. Now, the house of Caleb must have been a house of faith. How can you have such a progenitor that was a powerful man and that believed God to the end and entered the promised land that God promised? And then you are from his own house and then you are churlish and you are evil. That's for you to see who Nabal was. And he was from the house of Caleb. So, and David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did share his sheep. That means he was shaving the hair on his sheep. And so what did David do? David sent out ten young men. And David said unto them, Get you up to Camel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. That's greet him and say, Okay, uh, oh Nabal, we greet him in the name of David. And thus shall ye say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee and to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. And now I pray thee that thou hast sharers. Now my thy shepherds, which were with us, we hurt them not, neither was there aught missing unto them. And all day, and all the while they were in camel. We didn't harm them, right? Verse 8 says, Ask your young men, and they will shoot thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever thou commit to thy hand, whatsoever commit to thy hand, unto thy servant, and to thy son David. And when David's young men said this, okay, so this is it, this is it. David's young men came and said, Oga Nabal, well done, sir. Please, eh? we are David's young men and we greet in the name of David, our master. He says he wants something. Eh? We have been around your sheep and we did not attack your sheep. We did not steal from you. In the first place, if you had stolen, you had stolen. And David was not even justified to steal. So that was no reason. Now, you have come to Nabal. And then you are saying that you did not attack his ram. And then you, you were guiding him. He did not send you to guide him in the first place. So you have no right to ask him for anything. You had no business with Nabal. But David sent his men and said, please tell him this, that he should help us. And now give. In this part of the world, they say a beggar has no choice, right? <laughs> David is begging here. He's begging. Say, give us something. Anything for the boys. That's basically what David sent his boys to come and do. Anything for the boys. So he is doing anything for the boys. And this is what Nabal said. So verse 9 said, And when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal according to all those things that David had said in the name of David. But Nabal answered and said to, to David's servant, He said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away from their master. Shall I then take my bread? and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my sharers and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be and everybody knew David everybody knew David but he just mocked David here and said there are, there are many boys boy boys that ran away from their master who, who is the David you are talking about and he knew the kind of David that they were talking about because David was already a mighty man David was the David who killed Goliath and his fame spread abroad. People had hailed him and said, you killed 10,000 and Saul killed only 1,000. David was popular everywhere. And the man knew who David was. But he said, which David? Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. There are some boys that ran away from their masters and because Saul was still pursuing him at the time. And made a mock of David. And said, what do you have? I bet just go away. And he insulted them and sent them away. Now, Shall I then take my bread, verse 11, and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my sharers, 
and give it to unto men whom I know not whence they be. So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told all these things to David. And David said unto his men, Give ye on every man his sword. And they gathered on every man the sword, and David also gathered the sword. And there went after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stove. Now, when they came to David and they told him that this is what Nabal said, again, when, when, I, when I read this story, I, I had to wait and say, God, what is the problem? David did not work for Nabal officially. So Nabal was not even in a place to pay him. So he didn't even have a moral justification to ask Nabal for something. Now it was in Nabal's place to say, okay, take, okay, I don't want to give you. But then Nabal even added to insult to the injury by insulting him more. And David came back and said, boys, strap up. What was he going to do? He was going to kill Nabal and finish his household. Why? Because he understood honor. David understood honor that I, I should be honored. How can you dishonor me in such a manner? And he was determined to wipe off the house of Nabal. And so when he came, coming specifically to talk to Nabal, and to, I mean to, 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 to deal with Nabal and, and to get that honor part straight, straightened up, guess what happened? Nabal's wife, Abigail, the Bible says she was a woman of good understanding and she came along the road and did what? And appeased David and then gave honor to whom honor is due. And David went back. But what I want you to see is verse 13. The Bible says in verse 13, what I want you to see is verse, uh, not verse 13, verse, um, verse 38. Verse 38. Because of time, I, I wanted to read about the um, Abigail's experience, but because of time, let's go to verse 38. And the Bible says, And it came to pass about 10 days after that the Lord smote Nabal that he died. Why did God kill Nabal? Why? You did not honor my servant. That's simple. That was the only reason why God killed him. So even if, if, if David had killed him, the Lord would not, would not have done anything to David. The Bible called him childish and evil. His name Nabal meant fool. How can your mother give birth to you and call you fool? And so David sent his boss. Now David was not in a position to ask for anything. But honor is your inheritance. He knew that he carried the glory of God. And if he should meet you, you should respect him. I mean the Philistines were looking for him. And he went to the king Achish of the Philistines. And they were looking for him to kill him. And he told him, I want to stay here. I want to live with you. And the man had no choice but to allow him to live with him. Why? Because David knew that he carried something that no man can resist. And he lived with Achish for more than one year. In Philistines. And they did not kill him. He killed them before he lived there. And the moment he came outside and became king, he killed them again and even destroyed them entirely. When the children of Israel were going to fight the Philistines, when David was running away and Saul was the king of Israel, Achish had told David that, come, you follow me and be my bodyguard during the war. And you fight with me. And while they were going, David was like, don't worry, boss, you will see what I can do. Because he was serving Achish since he was living in Philistines. So he was like, okay, you see what I can do. And they were going. And then the next thing, the princes and the warriors of the Philistine army were like, king, please, can we see privately? How can you allow that guy to be following us? That guy is deadly. That guy, we know what he can do. That guy is the guy that wiped down Goliath. If you allow him to follow us, he can kill us on the road. Uh, king said, uh, him and Saul are no friends. Now, Saul, if you want to kill him, so they are not friends. So he's working for me now. He said, see, in the war, he can just meet Saul. And Saul say, I have forgiven you, boy. Have you forgiven me? And they hug themselves and they turn back. And if they turn back in the war, guess what will happen to us? They are dead. That was how much they feared David. And that was how much they knew what harm he could cause on them. But he lived with them in Philistines. And nothing was done to him. Because he understood that honor is my inheritance. I should be honored. I carry the glory of God. And the glory that I carry when I come into a place, men should honor me. You are not supposed to walk with your face on the floor like this. 
and say um, I am I am I am I am I am humble. So people talk you down, people downplay you and you say you are humble, you are living the life of God. No, that's not what God created you for. You are created in the image of God. And if you were created in the image of God, that image, until you realize the power of the image that you carry and begin to walk in the God-class image, you will never go close to fulfilling what God created you for. Never. So, every time I read the story of David, especially the story of Nabal, why did David go back and say, boys, did he say that? Strap up. David, you don't have a right to Nabal's property. But he told his boys, strap up. I'm going to kill this guy today. And he said something to Abigail, which was what I wanted us to read. He said, God, bear me witness that if I did not wipe down everything, every living thing in Nabal's house tonight, then I'm not David. He said that. But along the night, I'm going for a wise woman that came and, and said, please, oh, and then brought everything that he was, a, husband, a foolish husband was supposed to give David and said, please take. But you have a right to everything strangers have. Ah, that's another hierarchy of the gospel of the kingdom. But we are going to get there in these last days. That people will begin to understand that, see, God created you. And in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2, he says, Jesus is the rightful owner of everything. So you also are a rightful owner of everything. So if you go to a place and say, this is what I need, men should honor you. Men should honor you. That glory that you carry should bring a certain kind of honor to your life. Can a Copeland in the United States bought a land that is over a thousand three hundred acres free of charge? Now he paid without money and without price. How did he pay? He paid from the natural resources on the land. He sold it and used the money from the land to pay for the land. And money was remaining that he kept to himself. Oh no. And that was a land, a massive acre of land that nobody could get before his time. So, honor is the inheritance of every child of God. The Bible in John 17, 22, Jesus said that the honor, the glory that you have given to me and I have given to them. And that glory that Jesus carries will surely attract honor. And I said that the glory of God upon your life is what makes you different from the rest of the world. There should be a difference. So this glory in our lives distinguishes us, as I said, and it makes you unique to your world. So David understood this as a young man. And he said, Naba, you didn't honor me. I will kill you today. And then his wife came and begged. And even when the wife came and begged, at the end, after the Lord said, you see, die, die. Why? Because you did not honor David. Simple. So you are in a place where honor is yours. And that's not saying you go with pride and say, everybody, kneel down and beg me. That's not what we are saying. That's not basically what we are saying. We are not saying you go everywhere and say, hey, and you see someone that you should greet that is supposed to be elder, el- your elder or even someone that is within your peer group that you should just greet. You will not be like, I carry honor. Kneel before me. That's not what we are saying. Because again, when the Bible said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. The Bible said have dominion. He said have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. You are not supposed to have dominion over a human being like you. You are only supposed to partner with a human being because you were both created in the image of God. So no human being is more human being than the other. We are just privileged men that are used by God. And that's why Peter said, ah, I perceive that of a truth, God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he who fears God and walketh righteousness is accepted with God. So no human being is more human than the other. And it's not for you to start using this honor as, no, no, no. But what we are saying is that where you need to be honored, men will give you honor. Where honor needs to speak for you, it will speak. to speak 
Go with me to the book of First Chronicles. Let's see the story of David's son, Samuel, um, Solomon, rather. First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, rather. I read from verse one. Second Chronicles chapter one. The Bible says, And Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and magnified him exceedingly. The, the, then Solomon spake unto all Israel, to the captains of thousands and of hundreds, and to the judges, and to every governor in all Israel, to the chief of the father, of the fathers. So Solomon and all the congregation with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon. For there was the tabernacle of the congregation of God, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, had made in the wilderness. But the ark of God had David brought from Kijet Jerim to the place which David had prepared for it. For he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. Moreover, the brazen altar and Bezalel, the son of Uri, and the son of Or had made and made what did he do he put before the tabernacle of the Lord and Solomon and the, and the congregation sought unto it and Solomon went up hither thither unto the brazen altar before the Lord which was at the tabernacle of the congregation and of and offered a thousand burnt offerings upon it in that night God appeared unto Solomon and said unto him ask what shall what I shall give thee and Solomon said unto God thou has shown great mercy unto David my father and has made me reign in his stead now O Lord let thy promise unto my father be established for thou has made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before the people for who can judge this thy people that is so great and God said to Solomon because this was in thy heart and thou hast not asked for riches or wealth or honor nor life or not the life of your enemies neither you have asked for long life neither, neither have you asked for long life but you have simply asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king so this is what the lord told him wisdom and knowledge is granted unto you and i will give you riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee neither shall there be any after thee will have so god told solomon because you have not asked for money or anything i'm going to give you riches i'm going to give you wealth and i'm going to give you the kind of honor that men before you have not experienced and the kind of honor that men after you have not experienced did you hear that solomon was arrayed in all his glory. And then that Solomon, people came from all parts of the world to see him. They came, I mean, kings of different parts of the world came to pay homage to Solomon in Israel. Why? Because God gave him honor. Honor. The Bible says, honor your father and your mother, which is something that you should do. And it comes with a promise. That if you do that honor, you will live long in life. So, you give honor to your parents. But then, the honor we're talking about now is even for you as a child. Or for you as an individual. Something that you should have. You should attract. You should experience. You walk with that consciousness that I bear the image of God. And if people will respect Jesus, they must respect me. If people will say yes to Jesus, they must say yes to me. And that's how I began to think and imagine. The moment I realized what my call was, the moment I realized what, that I am joined here with Jesus and this thing sank into me, I began to realize that, oh, if it should work for Jesus, then it should work for me. If it will answer to Jesus, then it must answer to me. If Jesus can cast out devils, then I should cast out devils. And Jesus even went on to tell us in John 14, 12 that the works that I do, the works that I do, shall you do. In fact, he said, greater works than this shall you do. So if you receive honor, we are even supposed to receive greater honor 
on earth. And that's how powerful our place is in God. So instead of your shame, perhaps before now, you, you didn't realize that you were supposed to walk in honor. You didn't realize that God had made you to be honored and you were treated with lavity where you find yourself in a circle where they treat you as a piece of trash. You were experiencing shame in the past. This is what the Lord is saying to you. From Isaiah 61 verse 7, I read in the New King James Version. The Bible says, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor in the name of Jesus. From this day, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor in the name of Jesus. So I pray for you today. Men and women shall favor you in the name of Jesus. Men and women shall honor you in the name of Jesus. In the morning, heaven and earth shall honor you. In the afternoon, heaven and earth shall honor you. In the evening, heaven and earth shall honor you. In the night, heaven and earth shall honor you. At every point in your life, you shall experience honor in the name of Jesus. For the shame and troubles of the past years, God has given you from today double honor in the name of Jesus. Which is very key. So in Egypt, what did God do with Joseph? It was a nobody. A nobody that was sold as a slave and sold into Egypt by his own siblings. And then even got there and even went into prison. Ex-convict. But he moved from the prison to the palace. And what happened? God made him honorable. That at the time in the world, only one man was greater than him. And that was the Pharaoh that he served. But every other person, even in the world, because Egypt was a world power at the time, that nations of the world came to buy food from Egypt. So David was, uh, Joseph was the second most important human being on earth at the time. Honor. Honor. So, it is God's place for you to be honored. You see, the story of Jabez is a story that I will never forget and that I will never joke with. Growing up, I heard many nasty things about the prayer of Jabez and they say, ah, ah, Jabez, ah, Jabez, I cannot pray his prayer. But one thing you don't know is that Jabez, when he prayed the prayer he prayed, was even more honorable. I, I mean, he had life way, way better than many people are having it today when he prayed the prayer he prayed. But he was not comfortable with the level that of life that he experienced. And he prayed the prayer in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10 and said, Lord, I pray that you bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. That your hands will be with me. He said that you keep me from evil so that evil will never grieve me. That was the prayer of a man. God, I can't live like this. Bless me indeed. Indeed is the word there. He did not say, God, bless me. God has been blessing him. But maybe he has been seeing the blessings in fringes. And he was like, no. This is not what I want. Lord, bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. That your hand will be with me. And so that indeed, what he was saying is enlarge my coast. That your hand will be with me. That you will keep me from evil so that evil will not grieve me. And why was his name called Jabez? The Bible says that his mother named him Jabez because he was born with pain. In pain. And so he was named Jabez. And so people must have mocked him and laughed at him. But the Bible in verse 9 of 1 Chronicles chapter 4, and which is where the story, the, the verse 9, that Bible verse next is not arranged properly. Verse 10 is supposed to be verse 9, and verse 9 is supposed to be verse 10 because what the Bible stated in verse 9 is the end of the matter after the prayer of Jabez. And the Bible said, And Jabez was more honorable than all his brethren. That same Jabez that people have mocked and laughed that people as every time we pass they be like pain <laughs> pain is passing but he became more honorable than all these brethren when I was reading the book of Second Chronicles the, the Bible and exploring the Bible I realized that oh this same Jabez had a tribe he later became so big that he had a tribe that they called them the tribe of Jabez a man who was a nobody honor 
So it is in your place to experience and enjoy honor. And this is the honor that we get from God. If God honors you, men and women shall honor you. And so this is not for you to start seeking the honor of men. Some people will seek honor from men, but they'll be far from God. See, there are people that men will honor. Men will honor you, but you don't even have any, you are not even as close as you should be to God. That's dangerous. Don't get the praises and honor of men and then you are far from God. That's what we are saying. But instead, have it right, set it right with God. And if God will honor you, men and women will honor you. You will not struggle for honor when God honors you. Men and women and the rest of the world will honor you. But don't come to want to achieve honor from the human perspective. And then you are doing everything that you want to do so that men can honor you. And you'll be far from God. See, trying to please men and get the appreciation of men was what took away Saul's anointing. Saul was a good king when he started. He, God loved him. God loved him. But he was now focused, more focused on the honor of men than the honor of God, than the honor that comes from God. When did he begin to lose it? When they said, David has killed 10,000, Saul has killed 1,000. Honor that they gave to David seemed to be huge and bigger than what they gave to him. And he decided that, ah, maybe I should be doing better for these people so that they can be honoring me more. And trying to please men took his anointing. When God told him, do this, People will tell him, do this, and he will do what people say. And then the, uh, the kingdom was taken away from him. That even before he died, why he even died a miserable death was because before he died, just a few hours before he died, he sat in the house of a sorceress. In the house of somebody who had a familiar spirit and head and ate in a house. How, how can you even go there? It was even... A scene that you had gone to practice the necromancy. You wanted to call back the spirit of Samuel so that Samuel can talk to you. Okay, you wanted to go for war. You have been pursuing David up and down. And the man is not killing you. He had the opportunity to kill you two times and he cannot kill you. He has just decided not to kill you. Okay, you, you now want to fight with the Phoenixes and God is saying, I'm not going to talk to you. So he prayed and God did not answer. He prayed and God did not answer. He tried to inquire from God, God did not answer. And Samuel was already dead, like we saw in the book of 1 Samuel 25. So he decided that, ah, what will I do? I need to go and wake up the spirit of Samuel. And it was a sin for him, as a king of Israel, to even get acquainted with people who had familiar spirits. But he had to go find one, a witch at, a witch at Endor, and then go close to the woman. And after the woman helped him to evoke the spirit of Samuel, Samuel told him that, are you guys okay? What are you doing in this place? You are going to die. This is what will happen. Tomorrow you and your children, all of you will die. Samuel told him that. And I was always wondering, God, why was, why was that woman able to invoke the spirit of Samuel? But then, Saul needed to know that he was missing it. He was losing it entirely. He was going foolish. After what Samuel told him, he still sat in the house of the witch and ate that night before going home. So why won't he die? He died a miserable death. And David, when he was mourning Saul, said, Saul died like one who did not have the anointing. He died and his head was taken away and used to dance in, in the whole of the Philistines' country. And his body was like hand for people to see. A whole king that had the anointing of God. Because he lost it when he started to understand and follow the honor, the Partitions and praises of men instead of sticking with what God told him. And so when David was going to mourn, David said, Ah, how can Saul die like somebody who did not have the anointing of God upon his life? There is a way people that have anointing of God dies. <laughs> ah, motor will knock somebody on and you are crossing. Ah! And then everybody shout, oh, oh, God, rush, oh, rush, oh, hey, sorry, 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 hey. And then you hear somebody there say, ah, oh, not so. Nobody know when they go die. God go just, if you don't motor, you will knock you. You go die your way. If I am there, I'll tell you, madam, shut up. You can die like that. I cannot die like that. There is a way people who honor God die. You don't die like chickens now. 
So I say every time I see crazy accidents on the road, Lord, it is never written of me or any member of my family. I have a covenant with life and the more abundant life. Can't die in accident because it is not of me to die like that. So David said, Saul, how can you die like somebody who did not have the anointing of God upon his life? Hear men, hear how they die. So honor is our inheritance. The glory of God that we carry will automatically put the honor on our lives. So if you stay close to God, what will God do? God will honor you. And when he honors you, men and women will honor you. They will surely honor you. In John 8, 54, John chapter 8, verse 54, what did Jesus say? He says, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. So Jesus is saying, if I honor myself, it's nothing. I'm just wasting my time. So if you are making human beings to honor you, and then you are far from God, you are just wasting your time. The honor that is your inheritance is not a forced honor that you force human beings to give you. No, that's not the kind of honor you are talking about. Men will naturally honor you. Naturally, it comes naturally. You don't have to force people, you don't have to... Why we want to dominate human beings so that they can honor you? That, that becomes witchcraft. But the honor will come naturally. Humans will see you, they will like you, they will honor you. Because they can see the glory of God upon your life. So, to continue to walk in the honor that God put on you, what you need to do is to stay focused serving God. Turn with me to John 12, 26. Let's see what Jesus said. John chapter 12, verse 26. John chapter 12, verse 26. Jesus said, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall my servant be also. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. So it is the man who serves God diligently that, they, that will receive the honor from God. And we are believers. We are joint heads with Jesus. We are rightful owners of everything and we have the same access because we serve jesus we serve god we have the same access to everything that he has and so he says that if you, as long as you continue to serve you will be honored so honor and glory are your inheritance you don't have to walk with your face on the ground and claim to be humble many people you see them and they're believers and this is how they walk downcasted in life, downgraded and battered, and they have poor, I mean, very poor self-esteem. Very poor. They live with, I mean, a giant inferiority complex. And they say they are humble. They are trying to be humble. No! No! Any kind of humility that steals the consciousness of the image of God that you carry is a sham from the pit of hell. Any kind of humility that steals the consciousness of the image of God that you carry is a sham from hell. It's a sham. So to get the God kind of result, you must know that as long as you're on earth, if you must get the God kind of result, then you must operate from the class of the image of God. We must operate from the class of the image of God. Romans chapter 2 from verse 6. Sister Mercy, please read for us. Romans 2, 6. Go ahead, please.
Thank you. There is no partiality with God. That means that there is no respect of persons with God. So he says that who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory, honor, and immortality, eternal life. But unto them who are contentious, people that are self-seeking, that are looking for these things by their human efforts and by their own whims and caprices, and they do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. He says, Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of a man that doeth evil, of the Jews first, and then of the Gentiles. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, because there is no respect of persons with God. So, as long as you do good, you continue to do good, there is no respect of persons with God. Second Corinthians chapter 3. I read from verse 10. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect, by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that much more that which remaineth is glorious. Saying then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, not as Moses which put a veil over his face, and the children of Israel could not steadily or steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remained the same veil untaken un- away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But it says something, verse 15, But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. We say, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But it says something that we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of God. So, we carry the image of God. And as we continue to serve Jesus and keep our face focused on serving God, we continue to radiate more glory. We move from glory to glory to glory to glory because we must have the same nature of glory as Jesus. And Jesus is ever increasing. And we must also be ever increasing. So we keep radiating as we keep looking at the mirror and we keep forbearing the image of God, which is the world. We keep changing and metamorphosing into more glory, into more glory. And the more you radiate this higher kind of glory, the more honor will come to you. The more honor will come to you. In everything you do, you should be honored. And that honor will come as a function of the glory of God upon your life. Finally, let's read. Ephesians chapter 6 and 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 16. See, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mentions of you in my prayer, that the Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saint. The riches of his glory. So there is the riches of this glory that we are talking about. If glory is our inheritance, there is this powerfulness and the radiation that we continue to carry and we continue to get expanded in. So we must remember that honor is our inheritance and glory is our inheritance. In everything we do, we should be conscious of the fact that we are to be honored because we carry the glory of God upon our lives. And this glory keeps radiating. This glory is rich because God is rich in glory. And if He's rich in glory, 
we also should carry that richness in glory. Because our Father carries the same richness in glory. And the Lord said that God was talking to, to, to the Father and said, Father, the glory that you have given to me, I have given to them. So that we can be as one, even as so that they can be as one, even as we are one. That glory upon your life would make a difference in your world. I see where that glory turns a man's story around. The glory of God is our inheritance. And that glory will not leave you until you receive honor. Honor from heaven and honor on earth. That you speak, your words come to pass. That is God honoring you and honoring your word. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you are blessed. We upload new messages every week to keep you inspired and strengthened in faith. Call us today on 0909-632-5899. Don't forget to share and subscribe to our channel. God bless you.